Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 433. Um, I was having a hard time. I was like, what do I start with today? Because it's kind of bare bones. We're doing Ask Zach. We're talking about the four games from Monday and Tuesday. And that's pretty much it. Until Joe Burrow gave me a nugget of a quote that's going to allow me to rant about something I love. One of my favorite places in America, the city of Cincinnati. Uh, Joe Burrow said, somehow, there's not much to do in Cincinnati. Don't agree with that. Uh, I'll tell you, just right off the top of my head, first of all, I love, I look forward to going back to Cincinnati. I took a vacation to Cincinnati in December 2019. Uh, I Totally wrong. There's a bunch of great breweries, great beer there. It's one of the, I don't even drink, and I love going to bars and breweries in Cincinnati. Um, so right off the top of my head, there's two things I would do if you're ever in Cincinnati. Go get Skyline Chili. I abs, it's, it sounds weird. It's spaghetti chili and cheese it sounds weird i know i make it at home it's amazing i love it it's my favorite food on the planet and i am so excited to go back to cincinnati and have the actual official one that's their version rather than my version i make at home and then number two northern row brewery in cincinnati has got amazing beer uh and i i i just joe burrow no offense you're wrong i'm glad you're safe from the rona i'm glad everything's good but i dude i i can't wait to go on vacation to cincinnati like i I don't know. I, I just could not agree more that there's nothing to do in Cincinnati. Hey, one of the best things to do in Cincinnati is go to Bengals games to watch Joe Burrow. Ugh. So I hear where he's coming from. Uh, he can't go to, I mean, I guess he will go to every Joe Burrow Bengals game, but he can't sit in the stands like I would. Um, the other thing, I, I guess I wasn't planning to talk about this. I think based on my relationship, I think I can talk about this pretty openly i think i think it's fine i i, I wouldn't want to hurt our relationship but i i think he would be fine with it um it's official now so i i mean i could at least talk about the part that's official it's now been announced uh former usc quarterback keaton slovis is transferring to the university of pittsburgh and i am so so excited to watch him play there uh him and i we're on the phone last week actually talking about his options and i i highly recommended he go to pittsburgh i thought it was the Best spot for him to showcase his talent and, you know, eventually get to the NFL. And he's a guy, I, I love Keaton. He was a great decision maker. I believe in him wholeheartedly. And he's going to be replacing Kenny Pickett there at Pittsburgh. They've got a great receiving core. They're bringing back a ton of stuff on offense. And I just want to say, like, I that this is probably going to be a quarterback next year. I'm going to cover every game he plays. And I can't wait to watch Keaton Silvis at Pittsburgh. It's going to be awesome. Uh, I, I know some stuff that I'm not going to share about that situation, but I what I will say is I, I thought when I heard it was what he was considering, I said, dude, don't miss out on that opportunity. That sounds like a great opportunity to play for a great university, an awesome head coach, a great offense around him. And I am very, very excited. Like I, I based on talking to him, hey, you should go there. I thought he was going to go there. And then it came out and he is. And I'm so excited. I cannot wait to watch Keaton Slovis at quarterback next year for Pittsburgh. And again, I think I'm going to cover... My goal is to cover every single game. I, I'm just excited to watch how that happens and how things play out. And I think what we're going to see is him go to Pittsburgh and become a first-round pick. And that's that's what I, I'm rooting for. It's what I want. He's a great dude, an even better quarterback. And, uh, I mean, maybe it's the other way around. Maybe he's a, a great quarterback, an even better person. I don't know how you – whatever's the right way to say that, I don't know. But I'm very excited to watch Keaton Slovis at 
Pittsburgh next year. So we got Bo Nix and Keaton Slovis, two guys who are going to new colleges. Keaton Slovis going to Pittsburgh, Bo Nix going to Oregon. I think both are capable of being first round picks, and I am very hopeful that they both turn out to be that because I, I think they have immense potential, and I'm very excited to watch them and how their years play out next year at their new schools. Uh, let's jump into the the end of NFL Week 15. So um, let me drink some water. I, I think I need water to prepare for this topic. We had we had two games on Monday and two games on Tuesday. Three of them removed from their original dates Saturday and Sunday because of the Rona. Uh, let's talk about them. So number number one, the first game on Monday, we had the Raiders beat the Browns sixteen to fourteen. And I thought that the best way to put it was that this was an ugly win for the Raiders. It's hard to put a lot of weight behind it. Like, oh, you beat the Browns when the Browns had 18 players out due to the Rona. No ad coach. They were missing both their quarterbacks, Case Keenum and Baker Mayfield. Uh, They had to sign Nick Mullins before the game to be their starting quarterback for this game. So I I thought that it's not an impressive win at all for the Raiders. Like the Raiders are like, see, we're not out of it. I'm like, well, 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 like, is that really a win to be proud of? You barely beat the Browns. And it took a last second field goal to do that. I thought all things considered, the Browns did very, very well. The Browns actually took a, 14 to 13 lead in the fourth quarter. I was like, man, I did not expect this game to be close, let alone the Browns have a shot to win. Uh, I mean, Derek Carr, the Raiders quarterback, even threw a bad interception with three minutes left. He gave the Browns had the ball and a lead late. They couldn't hang on. Uh, Derek Carr, you know, he had two ugly turnovers that I, it's hard to defend Derek Carr because he had a pretty ugly game, but he did salvage it and put together a game winning field goal drive in the end. So, do whatever you want with that information. They kicked the game-winning field goal as time expired. I just think it's crazy that Cleveland almost won. Nick Mullins, their quarterback, was 20 for 30 passing, 147 yards, one touchdown. The key is no turnovers. To come into a team with basically no preparation, you got a really short week. And, I mean, look, that's not the best stat line I've ever read on this show. But, my goodness, that is really good for no preparation. You're new to the team. You're doing stuff on the fly. To have a clean game, let alone, you know, no turnovers, have a touchdown. He had a positive performance for his football team and almost won. And, I mean, the Browns really could have won. So, Nick Mullins, hats off to you. That's a great performance. Uh, It's sad. Cleveland kicked a field goal before halftime. They made the kick. However, wow, 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 the Raiders called a timeout. So they kicked a second time on try number two. The Browns missed that field goal. That cost them the game. The, the field goal right before halftime. Uh, it's a big difference because if the Browns had won that game, they would be eight and six right now, the number four seed in the AFC and the number one team in the AFC North. Instead, losing cost them a ton. ton. They're now seven and seven, and uh, they are the 12th team right now. The 12th seed in the AFC, AFC playoff picture. It's not good. I... Uh, I was rooting for Cleveland, man. I really wanted to see them win and pull that out. It just was so improbable, and they made it so close. It was almost there, and then they lost on that last second field goal. Now, also on Monday, the Minnesota Vikings beat the Chicago Bears 17-9. to Now, this game was always planned for Monday, but I'll tell you what. It was, you know, uh, the other four, you know, three of the four games that were on Monday or Tuesday were moved because of the Rona. This game 
was regularly scheduled, and yet it was as ugly as a game you would expect would have been moved with a bunch of players missing due to Rona. It was terrible. It was uh, probably somehow the worst and most frustrating game to watch between Monday and Tuesday. I, I'm not going to lie. I have very little to say about Minnesota. I mean, hey, they won. Yay! Like, I don't really feel good about them. To me, the story was how much of a mess the Bears looked like. I mean, to me, honestly, I thought their defense played pretty well. Uh, you know, they held Kirk Cousins, the Vikings quarterback, to 87 yards passing. He was 12 for 24. Not a great day for him. Uh, Dalvin Cook ran the ball 28 times for 89 yards. He His longest run was 10 yards. I mean, I really thought the Bears defense came to play. They did everything they possibly could. And, I mean, I really hope after this year that the Bears defensive coordinator, Sean Desai, lands on his feet and gets a good job somewhere. Because it seems like he's a good dude. And he's done a lot of good work this year with the Bears defense. Now, the problem was that the Bears just did not take advantage of the opportunities they were given on offense. I mean, Kirk Cousins had a terrible interception. Like, I literally, he threw a ball up for grabs in the middle of the field. There was nobody there except for a Bears defender. I don't know what was happening there. Uh, the Bears blocked a field goal. That gave him the ball on the 30-yard line going in. But the Bears' offense, you know, the defense, Sean Desai's group, great job. Well done there. The offense, Matt Nagy's side of football, of the football, oh my gosh. Um, I'm not even confident I can properly recap all of the long list of things that went wrong. It was embarrassing. The Bears had three fumbles, one of them by uh, their awesome young quarterback, Justin Fields. That sucked. Uh, one of their fumbles was on the 10-yard line. That's you know, they had a field goal blocked. They had three turnovers on downs in field goal range. You know, all of them were, you know, they had one turnover on downs on the uh, fourth and goal. They had one on the 14-yard line, one on the 21-yard line, another turnover on downs. All of them, again, close to the goal line in field goal range. They had dropped passes. Jimmy Graham dropped a touchdown. Finally, they did get a touchdown on the final play of the game. If Jimmy Graham can catch his touchdown... And then the touchdown at the end of the game would have counted. They might have kicked the extra point, and we would have found out it could have been a tie game 17-17. The Bears also muffed a punt. I mean, the big theme was that Chicago's offense all around was embarrassing, and they found so many different ways to put together a bad game. It was unbelievable. Matt Nagy, the Bears head coach, is a he's an offensive-minded head coach. Like He used to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL. He's a play caller. And yet, even though he's an offensive-minded guy, the offense in Chicago is garbage. It's so bad. I'm, uh, the play design is bad. The I don't know why they're not running more with Justin Fields. I don't know why they can't execute anything properly. They're just little mistake after little mistake after little mistake. And I don't think you should blame the young rookie quarterback, Justin Fields. He's a rookie. Let it go. He's doing the very best he can. No, uh, Ryan Pace, the general manager, built this team. And Matt Nagy, that coach, is coaching them into the ground. Those two guys got to go. I, I don't know how. First of all, it's crazy they've kept their jobs as long as they did. Although I thought there was always a decent argument. Like, well, maybe this, maybe that, maybe this. Now there's there's nothing left for them to stand on. Uh, I think they will finish the year. But there's no way both Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are going to come back. Either one of them. They're probably both going to lose their job. And I think that's for the better. And I don't like talking about guys losing their job. Like, my dad lost his job when the recession hit. I'm not, you know, excited about the idea of someone's losing their job, but it is clear that they are hurting their football team. 
And honestly, I can't wait to see what Justin Fields can do with a better coach and, and better offensive play design around him. Honestly, I thought Chicago could have won. I mean, Minnesota was not impressive at all in this game, but the Bears offense was just really, really bad. Now on Tuesday, the next day, the LA Rams beat Seattle 20 to 10. Uh, this game was moved due to the Rona. The Rams had at one point 29 players on the Rona list. But unlike Washington or Cleveland, like Washington didn't have either of their quarterbacks. Cleveland didn't have their head coach or either of their quarterbacks. Like Washington and Cleveland are missing a ton of players. But the Rams actually were able to get most of their stars in this game. Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr., quarterback Matthew Stafford, uh, Sony Michelle played, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. And what I really took away from this football game was that I'm starting to finally believe the rumors that Russell Wilson's going to want out of Seattle. Like I, I am sure he's he played in this game going like, I am so tired of doing this with not a lot of help around me. And I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing Russell Wilson in New York at this point. Like, why not? Seattle isn't going anywhere. And if you're going to lose games, you might as well lose games in the Big Apple instead. And then also what's fun about that is, okay, maybe they find a way to win in Seattle. Is, that's not as exciting to me as the thought of maybe Russ could find a way to win in New York. That'd be really cool. I want to see that happen. So uh, Seattle really only had two good drives the entire game. I'm not kidding. It was just punt after punt, three and out, three and out, five plays and a punt. It was awful. It's like... This team, this offense is just inept, and it's not the quarterback's fault, in my opinion. It's just the play design isn't there. They're really missing Tyler Lockett. Um, I don't know, man. It was, I just felt like they kept running plays and running into a wall and then punting. And uh, there, there's just not a lot good to be said about Seattle. I, I feel really bad for Russ, and I, I have no doubt he wants out, and I don't blame him at all. Now, Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford did two things in this game. Uh, that I think are, are are standout. By the way, I see my neighbors, these mother effers smoke every day, and I just see puff clouds. Like, they're, we're not allowed to smoke here, and they just happily just love to, I, I'm looking through the window, I see it! I see the smoke! I don't like it! It fills this room, it's not fun! I hate it so much. It's the worst thing about living here, is the neighbors down below us. Um, so, Aside from, so here are the two things Matthew Stafford did. <laughs> Why not? Right, I'm having fun. Uh, number one, he became the fastest player ever to get to 50,000 career passing yards. That's awesome. Number two, he threw a really bad interception. And uh, so, hey, great record. That's awesome. I'm glad. I'm part of why Matthew Stafford got to 50,000 faster than Tom Brady, Peyton Manning is because he grew up in a different era of the NFL. Like he, he started playing and throwing the ball a ton immediately. Tom Brady's early years, they were just it was a different NFL than it is today in the one that Matthew Stafford found himself in. Now, the bad interception, though, is something I want to hang on to. Every single game, and look, Matthew Stafford does a ton of really, really good stuff. Like, he, he's great at throwing the football. He's highly accurate. He can do stuff other quarterbacks cannot do. But between Matthew Stafford and Carson Wentz, literally every game, those two guys find a way to make a boneheaded Terrible throw. Usually they're intercepted often. It's like a, a play where there was a play early in the year where Matthew Stafford was like, whoo, I got lucky. And he knew it too. Every game. And I, I just worry that at some point, the style of play we see from Matthew Stafford, where 
about every game you see a risky throw that you're like, what the heck? What was that? That's not open. There, there's nothing there. I don't know what you're doing. I feel like that's going to catch up to L.A. at some point. Although, when you compare L.A. or Arizona, I think L.A. is a better football team. They've got better playmakers on defense. And the Rams and Cardinals are both 10-4 and four right now. If I had to pick one team that's more likely to make a deep playoff run, it would be L.A. But I, I, that, that Matthew Stafford thing, where every game there's a throw that you're like, Ooh, what what the heck was that? What <laughs> that's not open at all. Why are you throwing it there? I, I worry that at some point that's gonna catch up with them. Also, by the way, let's talk about Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup had nine catches for 136 yards and two touchdowns. The dude is amazing. It's also, by the way, year one with him and Matthew Stafford. So I think as time goes on, they're gonna get better and better between them. And oh my gosh, Cooper Cup is easily the most productive receiver in the entire NFL right now. Now, finally, uh, my personal favorite game of the four games between Monday and Tuesday, Philly beat Washington 27-17. to You know, hey, the Browns-Raiders game was really good. It, it, the Browns had a real shot to win. Uh, I thought Washington had a really legit shot to win this game as well. Like, down the stretch, I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's a three-point game in the fourth quarter. It was awesome. No, it is tough to... I wish this game had happened without the Rona impacting it because Washington was missing a ton of players. Uh, I would love to see this game without that factored in and see what would have happened because I think it would have been an even better football game. Uh, but Washington had to call in quarterback Garrett Gilbert literally off the street five days ago because they needed someone to be their starting quarterback for this football game. And uh, honestly, Washington made this a game. I was surprised and impressed. They led 10 to nothing early on at the end of the first quarter. Uh, in the fourth quarter, Washington scored a touchdown to make it. They were down 17 to 20. It's down by three points in the fourth quarter. I mean, it was really cool. I, I was sitting on the edge of my seat going, oh, my gosh, Washington made this interesting. You might actually have a shot to win this football game. Uh, now, Eagles quarterback, you know, they didn't. They lost 27 to 17. Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts in this game was 20 for 26 passing, 296 yards, one touchdown. Uh, he had two turnovers. He had an interception and a fumble. But he also ran for two touchdowns. I mean, my gosh, it feels like in Philadelphia, they've got just two good young quarterbacks. And it's kind of an awkward situation. I, between Gardner Minshew and Jalen Hurts, they've got two guys I think you could build around. And uh, Philly does appear to be completely committed to Jalen Hurts. But it, it excites me because I go, hmm. And I'm, I'm crossing my fingers and really hoping, could we see a Gardner Minshew trade this offseason, I would trade a second round pick for Gardner Minshew. I'm like, hey, I think he could become a starting franchise level quarterback and he's cheap. You can build around him. I really want to see somebody make a move this offseason and make a trade for Gardner Minshew. It seems like that's, you know, between the two quarterbacks Philly has, they've picked Jalen Hurts and I really want to see someone make that move. Now, uh, Philly running back Miles Sanders had 18 carries for 131 yards. That's really cool to see as well. And all in all, Philly is 7-7 seven and seven right now. And they are currently the number eight seed in the NFC. They have a legitimate shot at the playoffs. That excites me, man. Oh, my gosh. Like, think about this. They've got three games left in Philly. They play the Giants. They play Washington again. And then Dallas. So, Philly has a legit shot to make it in. And I want to see that. I want to see that for, for the sake of Nick Sirianni, their head coach, who... 
I remember when he was hired, I was really hard on Nick Sirianni. He needs a win. It would be cool to see that guy after all the craziness and all the criticism he took this offseason, from myself included, by the way. I would love to see Nick Sirianni lead Philly to the playoffs. Like, that just feels so validating of him. And then for Jalen Hurts' sake, too, that'd be really cool. So I, despite my early criticism of Nick Sirianni, I got to say, I'm impressed with what he's done. His team has a shot at the playoffs. They're 7-7. Seven and seven, And I would really, really love to see it if they got into the NFL playoffs. Okay, uh, let's shift gears now. It is time for Ask Zach, my favorite part of the show. In case you do not know how it works, go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. You give a dollar a month. Please do. It literally helps pay my rent. But a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. Now, uh, if you submit questions on Patreon, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee is I look at every single question with my eyeballs. I pick the top couple to read on the show. Question number one today. I should, I should have opened my notes before this, is from Brandon. Brandon writes in, oh, of course, my phone's on airplane mode. Won't load anything. That's great. So Brandon writes in with question number one. Let me drink some water as I, I open my notes. Document Ask Zach 433. Brandon writes in and says, Hi, Zach. Have you ever thought of live streaming on Twitch or YouTube? You could do live film analysis or maybe play Madden or even a live Ask Zach. I feel like it would really be a fun way for fans to interact with you and for us to donate more money besides Patreon. Keep up your content. You're absolutely the best NFL talk show host out there. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Brandon. Uh, yeah, like my first time ever, I've done a live stream once before I broadcasted like Cal versus Washington State and I did commentary over it from the broadcast booth and I did that live on the show, but I needed someone else's computer. It's the first time I've ever done anything like that and I... Through StreamYard, uh, I broadcasted and did a live stream with Tom Grassi. I was part of like an eight-hour stream he did. I was one of the people on that, and he did this massive. I got to watch him. He raised, by the way, Tom Grassi, coolest dude on the planet. He raised fifty-one thousand dollars for a kids' charity. Like that's just, oh my gosh! And and it was me, and then Urinating Tree went on right after me, and he seems like a really cool dude. And that got me thinking a lot. I'm like, huh, I, I really could. I, I don't know how yet, but if anyone has thoughts or ideas, and, and maybe it's Ask Zach, maybe something like that, I think it would be cool to do some kind of a live stream on Strong Opinion Sports. I'm just letting you know. I'm gathering my thoughts, how I, I could use that, but it would be cool to do something like that on the show. I mean, it's basically live anyway. I don't cut really anything out of the show, so might as well just do that actually live. You know, And it would actually be easier to upload because it would be uploaded as they go. I don't know. That sounds interesting and, and fun to me. Now, Connor writes in, says, hey, Zach, a YouTube-related question for you. When you first started up, what self-promo did you do, if any? You've inspired me to start up my own channel in the new year, so it would be great to get some tips. Love, sending love and support at this time. Uh, thank you, Connor. I really appreciate it. It is a hard time. Um, how much did I do self-promotion on uh, early on in my, my career doing YouTube? Zero. I did none. Uh, I really, the thing I kept telling myself, and I think it's from Field of Dreams, I kept telling myself, if you build it, they will come. If I make a, a YouTube channel and I'm making content that I like and I'm proud of and that I believe in, then the right people are going to find it and support that. And that's what I've done. I really never once, 
I, I barely use social media. I, I, I try to occasionally like tweet out links on my, maybe not even on Twitter, on my, on my Instagram stories where I usually put like a swipe up link or, I mean, it's not, it's not even a swipe up anymore, but you know what I mean? And I, I occasionally talk about on social media, but that doesn't actually bring traffic to the show. Not really. I, I just said, look, I, I'm going to do my best and make something I'm proud of. And that if, if I do that should bring people in and, I was heavily inspired by John Bellion, my favorite musician, who has that kind of philosophy of he doesn't care about can I of course. Can anyone hear the car alarm? It's still going. Hey! Turn off your car. It's it's probably gonna be. You know what sucks about this? I'm gonna I'm gonna actually cut the show because I know the, the people in that building next door, it's a really tall building. Even if they can figure out that their car alarm is going off, which you may or may not be able to hear, but I'm not going to take the risk that you can hear it and you it's driving you crazy. So we'll hold off on the John Belling talk for a moment because I know that the building next door, it takes so long for people to travel down the elevator to get to the parking garage. Oh, there we go. Hey, it's gone. So I don't know if you could hear that at all, but draw me nuts. So uh, I was very inspired by my favorite musician, John Bellion, who has made a lot of music for Justin Bieber and uh, Maroon 5. He wrote the song Monster by Eminem and Rihanna. And John Bellion's philosophy was he made a whole album people didn't like. <laughs> uh, I, I love his, his album Glory Sound Prep. But most people that like his more mainstream music, like his song All Time Low or Guillotine, they didn't like his album Glory Sound Prep. And I did. I, I'm, a, I'm a ride or die. Like whatever he makes, I'm there for it. And I figured... If John Bellion can make an entire album of music that people don't like, and he's pretty sure people won't like, I'm just going to do the very best I can and ignore the algorithm and ignore other people's podcasts and try not to copy anyone. Just make the stuff I believe in and I like. And I figure if I do that and put up my best foot forward every time, the right people will find me. And that's what's happened. So um, that's what I'm, I'm trying to do. I'm trying to like, I'm excited for film analysis this off season. I know people want more of that. At this point, during the season, I, I can't really crank them out right now and had a crazy offseason. I'm going through a lot, but February, I got a plan. We're making a bunch of film analysis content, and I just, as far as self-promotion, again, I don't do any. Just make, I don't know if that'll work for, if you're not making very much content, but I, I think if you make the right content you believe in and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it, eventually it'll work. And I'll tell you what, do not make YouTube content because you want money. Because it took me two and a half years to make any money at all. And then another about six months before I could become self-employed and do this on my own. So um, don't do it for money. Don't do it for fame. If you make content, do it because you really like it. And if you do that and you're not – if you're there for the right reasons, I think that is how ultimately you will become self-employed doing this and making content. Also, like, don't compare yourself to other people. And don't try to compete with other people. I, it really – uh, I heard, you know, Urinating Tree really grabbed my um, attention and, and respect when he said this. He said, like, look, and he was totally right. He said, there are so many creators out there. You're never going to be able to be like, you, you can't live in a world where all you're doing is comparing yourself to all the other people. Because there's there's probably, I mean, there's literally millions of other YouTube channels. I can't, and pod, I mean, how many podcasts are there? Oh, my gosh. How many people start a podcast? They do like three episodes and then quit. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. So, um don't compare yourself to other people. Just make what you're proud of. And, and if you do that and stick with it, I think that's that's been my plan. And that, so far, it's worked very well for me.
Okay, Nate writes in. He says, hey, Zach, there's a lot of conversation about who could replace Urban Meyer as Jacksonville's head coach. The most common name I see thrown around is, to my personal surprise, Byron Leftwich. Don't get me wrong. I love him and think he's doing a wonderful job. He is the Buccaneers offensive coordinator, former Jaguars quarterback, by the way. I'm not entirely sure he's ready for a head coaching position, though. Do you think he's ready? Why or why not? We'll love hearing your thoughts on this. So, um, Byron Leftwich. I, I would, if I were him, he's the, he's the Buccaneers offensive coordinator. Dude, I am letting my time with Tom Brady play all the way out before I would stop. Like, whenever he's done with Tom Brady, he can then pursue a head coaching job. Like, head coaching opportunities are not going to go away for a guy like Byron Leftwich. He spent so much time with Tom Brady. If I'm him, I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm going to work with Tom until I can't, until Tom retires. And then, then I'm ready to move on. Because first of all, you got amazing job security working with Tom Brady. Tom will keep you around. He loves working with the same people over and over again and doesn't want to train a new offensive coordinator. B, you're always going to have that cachet. I worked with Tom. You can always fall back on that, which I see no reason to hurry off to another team right now when you don't need to do that. So, yeah, if I'm Byron Leftwich, I think it makes sense. Jacksonville, they got a young quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, and you were there before, but I don't know. I don't, don't blow up a good spot you currently have, and if you want a pay raise, ask for it, but no need to leave. Um... Tampa right now. I just think that working with Tom Brady is such a big opportunity. You wouldn't want to pass that up. There are a couple names that come to mind when I think of coaches that are going to be available. Um, I think Todd Bowles, the Buccaneers defensive coordinator, comes to mind. I think a lot of people are going to interview him. Eric Bieniemy is the one that I, I think he should leave. I think Eric Bieniemy should go. Now is the time to go get a head coaching job somewhere. Brian Dable, the Bills the, uh, offensive coordinator. Kellen Moore, the Cowboys offensive coordinator. There are going to be potentially six head coaching opportunities in the NFL this year, and there's not enough good head coaches to fill the vacancies. I mean, the Raiders, Minnesota's probably going to need to hire a coach, probably the Giants, uh, the Jaguars, the Bears, the Broncos probably. So, and look, if I'm a, a team like that, I think Minnesota needs an offensive-minded coach. I think the Giants need an offensive coach for potentially Russell Wilson. I think the Jaguars, uh, the Raiders, the Bears, the Broncos, like everyone needs an offensive-minded head coach or somebody on offense they can build around. And the competition is going to be really high. And we're going to see people like Kellen Moore, who I don't know that normally Kellen Moore would be a highly sought-after head coaching you know, candidate, but because there's so few options out there, He's going to get job offers, no doubt. And he, he probably is going to have to take them because it's not... I, I don't know. Like, who are the, the the Bears, the Broncos, the Jaguars going to hire? Like, these are jobs... I, I think working with Trevor Lawrence is a great opportunity. I think working with Justin Fields is a great opportunity. Minnesota's great facilities, good place to live. Uh, you got a stable quarterback, Kirk Cousins. The Raiders got a bunch of new stuff and a great quarterback. Like... It's competitive out there. And if you don't get a, a good quarterback to try to market yourself to a young head coach, it's going to be hard to hire someone, I think. And uh, I'm really, really interested in the head coaching market this offseason. Henry has a similar question. He says, uh, Oh my gosh. I didn't answer Ethan's question. We'll go with Henry first. Then we'll circle back. Don't let me forget. And there's no one to remind me, but I want to, I want to remember Ethan is a question I want to read too. It, he's not included here, but it's in my notes on one hand, but not my, my like bullet point notes. Henry says, which coaches do you think are on the hot seat to end of the year? 
And who are the coaches that you believe should be fired at the end of the year? Uh, I would fire Mike Zimmer, the Vikings head coach. I would fire Joe Judge, the Giants head coach. Matt Nagy, the Bears head coach. He's got to go. Uh, and Vic Fangio, the Fangio Fangio, the Broncos head coach. Denver needs a quarterback. And I, I clearly, I think a new coach that has, has got a, a better idea to help them. Um, like Urban Meyer's already gone. So I, I think there's going to be, if, if the Giants fire their coach and if the Broncos fire the coach and Minnesota fires the coach, which I think all they're going to happen, there's going to be six job openings in the NFL this offseason. It's going to be very competitive and very interesting. Similarly, um, what? how did I miss this? Uh, Richmond writes in. I'm going to bounce around because I, I really want to. I think they all go back to get back really, really well. Richmond says, hey, Zach, as a lifelong Saints fan, I wonder how much longer we can retain Dennis Allen as our defensive coordinator, especially in the four regular season matchups against Tampa the last two years and the postseason matchup to a significantly lesser extent. It seems the main reason why he hasn't been hired off elsewhere is because of his horrible record as a Raiders head coach, which was 8-28. and 28. If that indeed is in the case, how much longer does that remain a factor? Also, Cam Jordan became the second player to record 100 sacks for the Saints since Ricky Jackson for the legendary Dome Patrol defense. Uh, Dennis Allen. Could he become a head coach? He, he will probably get a job offer. Uh, so will Steve Spagnuolo, the Kansas City defensive coordinator. I would, if I'm New Orleans, if I'm Sean Payton, and I, I look at what he's done with the Saints defense recently, and the way, I mean, they just dominated Tom Brady. I am paying him to stay. And I would market it like, hey, Bill Belichick has Josh McDaniels, his offensive coordinator who's been with him for 12 years. And look what they achieved together. And look at, to a lesser extent, Bruce Arians with Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator in Tampa. Hey, Bruce Allen, you can leave. But do you want to stay? We'll pay you really, really well to keep you. We want you to be here with our football team. And Sean Payton and... Bruce Allen can say, look, we are, we have a pack together the same way packed is the wrong word. I don't think you need to talk a long-term, but Hey, we're successful together. I'll pay you to stay and become my, become the Josh McDaniels to Bill Belichick, become my, my defensive coordinator. I need, cause you can run the defense, whatever way you want. I'll run the offense. We can succeed together. I think a lot of coaches run out of bad situations to become a head coach for a bad football team unnecessarily. I don't think you need to. So I, I will say, as I say Bruce Allen, I meant Dennis Allen. So sorry, Dennis Allen. Um, it would be interesting if Dennis Allen came back to the Raiders. That would be kind of wild. But if I'm New Orleans, and I, I, I said Bruce, I realize now. I said, Who's Bruce Allen? I'm trying to remember. I think he was actually related to, I think he was involved with Washington. So I apologize for that. Dennis Allen. If I'm New Orleans, I would do everything in my power to keep Dennis Allen around as my defensive coordinator. He's done such a great job, and... uh I would not want to let that guy leave at all. Okay, now let's go to Ethan's question. Put on some uh, lip, lip balm, lipstick, lip balm real quick. Ethan says, hey, Zach, love your content. Keep up the good work, friend. I can't believe you didn't include the Bills in your top nine most disappointing teams. I thought they would be in the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year, but now they're the number seven seed in the AFC with one of their losses coming from the Jaguars. I thought Josh Allen was ready to become MVP, but he struggled at times. What is your reasoning for leaving them off the list? So there are two teams that I did not include in my 
nine most disappointing uh, teams list that I probably could have put on. Minnesota, the Vikings, they're seven and seven. Um, I look, I didn't put the Vikings on my list because they're exactly what I thought they would be. I thought they were like decent. They had probably gonna have to fire their coach. I don't know if Kirk Cousins is the guy. Although Kirk, I think, has proven himself. So I, I think if anything, Minnesota's been the opposite of disappointing. I I walked away going, I went into the year thinking that Minnesota's quarterback, Kirk Cousins, was a problem. And now I'm like, no, no, he's fine. Let's get a new head coach and keep it going. Like Minnesota's lost a lot of games they could have, but it hasn't been his fault. And uh, the end result is the Vikings are about as good as I thought they were going to be anyway. So I, the Vikings haven't disappointed me. I just didn't think highly of them to begin with. Now, Buffalo, they've been a little bit disappointing. I have no doubt. Um, you, know, you know, I thought they would win their division, but I also I had, I had three playoff teams in the AFC East. I had New England, Miami, and Buffalo all making the playoffs. So, it's not shocking to me. Like, okay, the Patriots are probably going to win the division now, not Buffalo. Like, okay, well, you know, Josh Allen's had some bad games, but that happens. And um, I hear the MVP talk, although it's just been a weird year, too. Like, the Rona is still around. It's still impacting stuff. So, I don't know. The Bills are good, and they, they have a shot at a Super Bowl. They're a playoff team. I, I wouldn't call them disappointing yet. We'll see how the year goes, but um, I think they're a team that's probably going to make another deep playoff push, and... To me, that's not a disappointing year for the Bills at all. It's really, I guess, where you start. If you think the Bills are a Super Bowl team, then I guess, yeah, that would be disappointing. And I thought they had a chance, too, at that. But I'm not like, the Bills aren't horrible by any stretch of the imagination. Devin writes in and says, I'm going to keep this short and sweet. I'm curious to know your take on Mike Tomlin. So Mike Tomlin is the Pittsburgh head coach. I would love to play for Mike Tomlin. He's got a, a lot of passion. He's intelligent. He is, it seems like a great dude, like a cool guy to play for. I'd love to play for him. I think I could win a lot of games playing for him. Um, I think he struggles with locker room discipline, right? You see all this little drama and there's always something in Pittsburgh going on. And I think really what Mike Tomlin's going to need is a, a quarterback who can help set the tempo in the locker room as a leader. I don't think Big Ben has been helping the locker room like he could and like he should. I think he's older. He's kind of aloof. He's very, I don't think he's even trying to relate to the young guys. And to get a, really the quarterback that would be best for Pittsburgh would be Jalen Hurts, who could lead the locker room the way Big Ben is not and influencing the people there. Uh, since you're probably not going to be able to trade for him, how about Gardner Minshew? Like somebody, what they just need in Pittsburgh is a new quarterback who's younger, can relate to the young guys, and can kind of nudge people in the right direction rather than just scolding them like they're little babies. I, Big Ben is just not relating to the young guys very well in the locker room, and it's hurting Mike Tomlin as well as the team in general. So um, Mike Tomlin, he's fine. I, 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 in fact, I think he's a great coach. He just needs help with locker room leadership. And right now in Pittsburgh, there's this great divide between the old head veterans and the young new kids on the block. And it's just, it's a big division of their locker room. It's a problem. And I think that starts with getting a, a leader that's a young guy who can relate to the young players and kind of bridge the gap a little bit. So um, to me, that's what's going on in, in Pittsburgh easily. Okay, uh, the Handman writes in and says, have you thought about making an SOS Shorts channel, uh, YouTube version of TikTok? Your content is longer, so you might not be able to fit one subject in a one-minute video. 
But if you could, definitely, you would definitely get more views and subscribers that way. Um, I only have so much time. So, like, I, I making it, I do, I, I have a TikTok with Strong Opinion Sports. There's nothing on it. Um, and YouTube Shorts, it, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know yet. I don't have an answer there. Uh, I just, I know that I only have so much time and it's hard to edit this show in general, let alone other stuff too. Plus, I got to pick what clips would I even make into a one minute YouTube short or a TikTok video. Um, maybe I, mean, I do have some segments that are really short that haven't been made into videos because they are a little bit too short to be a standalone YouTube video. Um, but also the aspect ratio is a hard thing. I mean, when you watch a TikTok, it's vertical or hor- it's vertical. Yeah. And, and my YouTube videos are horizontal. So like, how do I fit a horizontal screen into a vertical slice? I don't, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have an answer there at all. So, um, that's a problem, but. Hey man, I hear you, and I'm working on it. It's it's in progress, but it, it's going to be probably a long time. I probably not until I really get help and I can hire someone else to edit for me that I'll do stuff like that someday. Okay, uh, Teddy writes in last question of the day. He says, "Hi Zach, I wanted to write in and let and say that I just finished my hardest semester of college. In honor of this, I wanted to ask you about my dream. What if scenario?" <laughs> What would happen if the Falcons didn't blow the 28-3 to lead? Have fun with it. Doesn't have to be too realistic. Um, I didn't think about Atlanta here, but now that I think about it, you probably are asking from an Atlanta perspective. I thought about Tom Brady when you asked the question. From the Atlanta perspective, Matt Ryan's probably viewed very differently, with much more reverence and respect. People do not treat Matt Ryan with the respect he's deserved. He's a really fantastic quarterback. If he had a better team around him, we would still view him with a lot of reverence. Imagine if, I've said this before, imagine if Matt Ryan was the quarterback in New England right now. They'd be dominating, and people would be talking about how great Matt Ryan is, but because there is no, um, now it's raining outside, oh my gosh. I can't even believe it. Is that rain? It must be. I've had some weird sights out this winter today. I saw a bird, I saw smoke, I'm seeing rain. It's really distracting. Um, we would view Matt Ryan totally differently, I-, I think, if he'd won that Super Bowl. And I think it would have really helped Dan Quinn stay in Atlanta. I think that loss tore down the entire franchise. So I, I think it would be massively different for both Dan Quinn and Matt Ryan if they'd won that game. For Tom Brady, I think we would view Tom Brady a lot more like people view LeBron, where he would have Tom Brady would have a ton of title appearances, but probably a ton of losses. He's 7-3, and three, Tom Brady is, in Super Bowls. Seven losses— Sorry, sorry, seven wins and three losses. What if Tom Brady was five and five in Super Bowl appearances? I mean, if he lost to Seattle and Atlanta, which were very, very likely, actually, he'd be five and five in the Super Bowl. And we would talk about how, oh, Tom Brady's great, but he's gotten there a bunch and not won enough times. Like, it's really interesting how one loss can reshape your entire legacy for better or worse. And for Matt Ryan, it reshaped him much worse. For Tom Brady, beating Seattle and beating Atlanta reshaped his legacy in a much more positive light. So it's just interesting to me. I mean, a lot of that stuff is out of your control, too. Tom Brady doesn't play defense at all, or special teams, or kick field goals, or catch passes. So I don't know, man. Um, You put a lot of weight on winning and not enough weight on how good is the guy. Like, when you watch film, Matt Ryan's fantastic. Is he perfect? No, but he deserves way more respect than he is given, so... Those are my thoughts. All right, guys. I love you. I appreciate you. I will talk to you uh, tomorrow. Have a great day. Bam. We are.